AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Tough start to the week for the ag markets. A slide in the value of the U.S. dollar really didn't do much to help turn down to turn the downside momentum. We'll dig deep into the bull and bear arguments and the old and new crop markets and identify some of the risks in the new crop markets. Live from February's Coda via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Craig Turner from Turner's Take. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much, buddy. How's it going? Really great. Really Good. great. A little so windy down it, your way. A little windy. Uh, super nice out, though. 60 degrees Fahrenheit here. Yeah. Um, dropped a musical term on you. Live from February's Coda. You were in band, right? You know what a Coda is, don't you? Well, I remember there being such a thing. Yeah. The Coda is this magical symbol that you can put in a piece of music that is basically like cut to the end. Right. You know? Right. Like when when I was a kid, uh, I'd be singing along some annoying, weird song or something, and my dad would be like, when he would get sick of it and just had enough, he'd be like, okay, take the Coda. Please take the Coda. We're done. We're at at February's Coda. We've got the rest of today and tomorrow, and that's that's the end of that. We're there. That will wrap it up for February. Unfortunately, the turn to March, flipping the calendar to March, does not necessarily mean that that we're turning off the winter weather either. We've still got some of that left. And I tell you, the dust storm pictures from the Southwest, Davis. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yep. They're just, uh, you know, I, I think about how they can choke you down when when yep. you get into dust like that. Yeah. And and um, uh, just some really, really tough conditions. Sounds like the, <laughs> if there was if there was emergence on the hard red winter wheat crop down in some of those areas, mm. it, it looks like the wind and the dust just kind of sawed that, that, uh, that hard red winter wheat crop off. Sandra Not flat. that it really matters to yeah. the traders in those markets right now because they've got one thing on their mind, it seems like, and that is getting out of long positions and building the downside momentum because another tough day in the grain markets today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. Agreed. Hey, Down double digits in the, in the wheat. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. I didn't mean to just, mm-hmm, you there. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah I could just read right. the news about it. We could Let's go, go ahead. Get to Let's the news. Do. Well, Chip, wheat futures struggled throughout the session, with May's soft red wheat futures dropping to the lowest level since September 29 of 2021. Chart support from late summer 21 is around the 680 level, with next support at the psychological 650 level. May hard red winter wheat futures posted a fifth consecutive session with the open near-session highs and the close near-session lows. Downside momentum is growing in wheat futures, making it difficult for funds to stay in long positions. Wheat export inspections weekend at February 23, nearly 592,000 metric tons, topping trade expectations, 
Good rains in the central plains and the potential for more drained buying interest out of the market. May hard red winter wheat futures 18 and one quarter cents lower 817. May soft red wheat down 11 and three quarter cents to 710. May spring wheat closed at 868 and one half down 14 cents. Another day like this, the May SRW is going to hang a six handle chip. Oh, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, the March contract, which we had been using as our uh, as our reporting contract until today, the March contract did close under seven bucks, six ninety six, down twelve and a quarter cents today. May corn futures closed below six fifty for the first time since December nineteen, and chart watchers are targeting support at the December seven low at six thirty six and three quarters. Export inspections of corn weekend of February twenty three, nearly five hundred seventy three thousand metric tons, in line with trade expectations. Traders noted a quicker pace of corn planting in Brazil in the weekend at February 23. Plantings advanced 15 points to 55% complete. Still lags last year's pace by 8 points, but the crop is going in the ground, Chip. Both wheat and corn were also pressured by what traders see as increasing odds of an extended grain deal to allow shipments from Ukraine. May corn futures five and three quarters lower, 643 and a half. July corn down a nickel, 633 and three quarters. December corn futures closed at 676, down a quarter of a penny. But, man, the march downward just kind of continues. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, those export inspections in line with trade expectations, yeah, that might be the case, but we are still way, way, way behind the year-ago pace, and, and expectations are very low. Still dry conditions in Argentina helped soybean meal futures close with modest gains, while beans and bean oil closed lower on the day. Export inspections of soybeans totaled 691,000 metric tons, well short of the low end of trade expectations. Bean harvest in Brazil is about one-third complete, which is well behind last year's pace of 43% done by February 23rd. May bean futures have posted four consecutive sessions with a mid-range open and a low-range close. That means four consecutive rally attempts have failed, and downside momentum is building in old crop beans. May beans six and a half cents lower, fifteen twelve and three quarters. July beans down seven cents, fifteen oh one and one half cents. November beans closed at thirteen seventy two, down two cents today. Chap. Yeah, you know we talk about some strange technical or chart formations that pop up from time to time, and four consecutive mid-range opens try to rally, fail, close near session mm. lows. I don't recall a time that I've seen that in the bean market. I'm sure that it's happened, but I just don't recall it. it it's it's a market that is trying but failing. Mm-hmm. And, boy, that's an easy way to build upside momentum. We'll wrap up the news, Davis, when we start the next segment. Let's go ahead and bring in Jack Scoville from Price Futures Group. Hey, Jack, how's it going? Well, it's been nicer. It's been nicer Mondays, that's for sure. Yeah. We got uh Dads of rain here today, so yeah. we're finally starting to dry down. <laughs> well, good, good. Um, the the momentum in that bean market, like I was just talking about, this is this is really something where for four consecutive sessions failed to rally or failed to on a rally. This is getting a little concerning. Yeah, it is, but you know you have to consider the time of year. Uh, we do have uh, we do have the Brazilian crop starting to come into uh, export position after all, and it's been kind of my thesis that uh, that beans are going to start to weaken up here, and, and okay. corn might actually stabilize, but uh, corn uh, unfortunately hasn't been. 
But yeah. uh, the beans are starting to weaken up here a little bit, and I kind of expected that just because uh, our demand is going to weaken up and uh, the demand for Brazilian is going to increase. So mm-hmm. um, we see it every year about this time, especially since Brazil's gotten so big to be in the bean market. And um, uh, like we see it, with the, we see kind of a double whammy in the fall with the corn with the, with their winter crop and our summer crop coming out. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times, Jack, we say market doesn't need to go up. It just needs to stop going down to give it a chance. Uh, are we at the, are, are we at that point on corn and wheat right now? Uh, well, we, we certainly are on the wheat. And we're getting to that point on corn. I, I, I've been, you know, really kind of fighting this uh, sell-off in the corn, which is pretty stupid of me, but there you go. And uh, uh, the wheat, the wheat though, it's just been it's been just awesome. I mean, the, there's been plenty of offer out of Russia. There's still uh, still wheat coming out of Ukraine, yep. of course. And uh, they've just been keeping the world prices under pressure, and that's been yep. affecting our demand and, uh, and our price. Yeah. All right, meat, Jack. Uh, hey, we're out of time, Jack. Thank you, buddy. That's Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Craig Turner up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. This afternoon, we're going to be talking markets with Craig Turner from Turner's Take and Stone X Group here in just a minute. But first, Davis, let's go ahead and finish up that news. Well, sure thing. I've got December cotton six points lower today at 84.26. On your livestock's April fat cattle futures opened just slightly higher, rallied to test resistance at the buck 66, then fell back to post an inside trading day with the low range close. April fats 40 cents lower, 164.97 and one half. June live cattle down 20 cents, 160.87 and one half. April feeders up 65, 194.22 and a half. And on the snout side, April lean hogs slipped below support at last week's low and posted a near session low close. April hogs were a buck 30 lower, 84.72 and a half with the June contract off a buck 37 and one half, 102 and 10. Chip Flory. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Yeah, you know, a little bit of fade to that cattle on feed report. The live cattle mm-hmm. market tried to trade higher earlier in the session, and the cattle on feed on Friday was 
positive. I don't think it does anything to change the technical attitude in the cattle trade. I don't think it does anything to change the longer-term fundamentals in the cattle trade. Uh, but just a little bit of profit-taking stepped in there. Uh, th- this feeder cattle market, we wonder just how much they're going to be worth. And then all you have to do is look out to next summer's, next fall's market, and you've got that September feeder cattle market trading at 214.62 and a half on the close, Davis. Glad I got those Team 200 feeders jerseys printed up. Right, right, exactly. All right, let's bring him in here, Craig Turner from the Stone X Group. How are you, Craig? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on today. You, you bet. I'm glad that you are here. What do you make of the way that the market's traded today? Because I'm, dude, I'm starting to feel the the downside momentum just, you know, in my attitude <laughs> that we've got going here. Yeah, I think you got to start with the corn market. Um, we are, you know, breaking lows. We brought we broke some pretty big support. And, you know, there's really two things going on with that corn market right now, you know, on you know, we had to stay high priced to discourage um, export demand, and it has, yep. and we've really seen that, you know, through the WASDs and the cumulative sales. And then, you know, when the Ag Forum came out, it was a reminder to everybody that we plant 91, 92 million acres of corn and we get anywhere close to a trend line yield, which I realize is lofty. You know, 181 and a half is definitely lofty, but you get anywhere close there and we could be adding on three, four, 500 million bushels year over year, you know, USDA continue, if they continue to uh, reduce exports and, you know, South America can just hold it together enough. I mean, you got to start asking yourself, you know, does, you know, going from, let's say a 9% stock to usage to a 13% stock to usage warrant some of these prices out there. And not only can you see it just in the price action on the flat price futures right now, but when you take a look at the spread markets, too, they're kind of falling apart and telling the same yeah. story. Yeah. I'm glad that you went to the stocks to use ratios there, Craig, because um, it, it it's not like a 13% stocks to use ratio is just an overwhelming amount of, of uh, corn left at the end of the 2023-24 marketing year. But, right. We, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, but. It's enough, and yes. it's in the wrong direction. And that, I think, makes your point very, very valid, that it, it makes new crop corn feel a little a little high-priced right now. Yeah, so the way we look at stock to usage for corn and soybeans, and it's a little bit different for wheat, but for corn and soybeans is when you get to 10% stock to usage, um, you're tight. You're considered a tight market, and you have to price ration uh, exports so they don't get too high. Um, and then when you're in a 10 to 15% stock to usage, we tend to refer to that as an adequately supplied market. And that's really more okay. of a corn number. Um, okay. you, um, and then, you know, and then, you know, before we had the inflation and COVID and the supply chain issues, you know, a 13% stock to usage would suggest, you know, maybe, Harvest lows 360, 370. And remember, this is like 2019 and before. Right, right. Uh, with summer you. rallies, yeah, with summer rallies into like 450, right? Yeah. Never really having to worry about us getting real tight. Um, and that's the kind of market it was. Now, that's not the kind of environment we are in here in February 2023. But, and I'm not thinking we're going to be going to four bucks or lower anytime soon, but 
you know, if we're going to have a 13% stock to usage, could that mean maybe we're testing five at harvest and where's new prop now it's, you know, 570, I want to say, or something like that. So yeah, it does. I mean, listen, all the commodity markets are high where, you know, and the Ukraine black sea issue is going to be something that's with us for a long time now. And what's interesting is now that it's a year out, now we kind of, you know, because of the tightness in the wheat market, which I'm sure we'll get to today, like it does have, it's going to be supportive of corn, um, kind of put a put into place for corn you know, for a yeah. while, which could last for years. But yeah, it doesn't mean cor- new crop corn needs to be six either. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm with you because yeah. you, you said it well. Here we are after the pandemic and after the supply chain and after the inflation. And I hate to say it, but kind of getting numb to Russia is still in Ukraine and, and trying to take that country. We're, we're getting numb to that talk. But, hey, if it's if that's worth an extra, I would guess that it is worth an extra buck, maybe a buck and a quarter on on that corn to keep us in, in the low $5 range, something like that. So, yeah, it uh, it does change things. It's a different yeah. dynamic in this market. It is a different dynamic. And another thing, too, I would say is, you know, there's there's two things going on in the wheat market, too. And when you look at that soft red winter wheat, the Chicago contract, we are expanding acres. You know, it's going up about 15 percent. A lot of that wheat's in the eastern belt. And a lot of that, you know, those conditions are better, especially when you can compare it to the western belt and how some of this Kansas City wheat's going to look. Um, and we're going to go probably from tight to adequately supplied stocks in wheat. Now, when we take a look at the stocks use members in wheat, yeah. the world gets real nervous when you're at that 25 to 30 percent stock to usage. And the reason being is wheat is basically 85 percent human consumption Food. and right. It's food. And it's not just food, too. It's your most basic and cheapest calories out there You know, is going to yeah. be wheat or rice, depending on where you are in the world can't eat the dirt right now in corn and soybeans you can always cut back on ethanol usage right you know for feed for animals you know six pounds of feed to make a pound of beef you know or something like that you can always cut back right but you can't cut back on that wheat usage there's nowhere else left to go and that's you know so as soon as we start and we start into 35 percent stock to usage in soft red winter wheat which i think we're going to, to maybe even higher and that can start can relax and the thing is that's kind of wheat and if you get you know, some lower quality Chicago wheat that can get into the feed rations now. And that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for corn. Probably not going to see that on the high protein side. I don't think we're going to expand acres and spring wheat and, you know, the Ukraine situation, you know, we're only going to have like 50 to two thirds of the wheat coming out of Ukraine for the higher protein wheat, which is their equivalent of Kansas city. Yeah. Um, so we're still going to be tight there. Right. So we're not going to completely collapse in these markets, but, you know, corn and soft red winter wheat could take the brunt of it in that kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. So if Ukraine does run at half to two thirds capacity on the production side, I mean, that's even less wheat than that Russia can then just steal and put in its own boat and ship out as as Russian wheat. Yeah. I, that that starts to tighten up the global picture, doesn't it? It does. And we stay on the you know, so the way we evaluate the markets here. You know, with, uh, you know, on my podcast, the newsletter is, you know, we take a look at two things. What are the U.S. sending stocks? Because the United States is the world's residual 
you know, provider of old grain and oil seeds. And when everyone runs out, they come here with a high price. Probably that's why. And then what's the global export market, market, right? Because, you know, price discovery outside the United States is based on global exporter available supplies. And you are 100% right, Chip. Uh, when you take a look at the higher quality wheat that's out there, um, at Ukraine is a big loss. And when I take a look at the three major commodities across on yeah. the supply side, you know, high protein wheat is going to be tight. You know, while soybeans yeah. kind of expand and corn definitely expands. Kansas yep. City and Minneapolis will not. Okay. All right. Very good. You know, the, the the whole wheat story, every time you think you get it figured out, you better take another look because <laughs> there is something out there that is constantly changing on wheat and can can change your attitude in that market in a hurry. And right now, right now, Craig, when I take a look at those wheat charts, it is something that makes me think that it's going to be it's going to be tough to find that that trigger that, as I was talking about with Jack at the start of the show, I, I don't I don't need wheat to go up. I would just feel better if it would stop going down. Okay, we're talking with with Craig Turner. He's with the Stonex Group Turner's Take podcast. When we come back, the Argentine crop is the, has that story been told? From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Argentina will see restricted rainfall during the next 10 days in central and southern areas, while rain is expected later this week in northern locations, this according to World Weather. As of last Thursday, Brazil had harvested 33% of its soybean crop, according to Ag Rural. So far in 22-23, Ukraine has exported 31.8 million metric tons of grain, down 27% from the same period last year, according to the country's Ag Ministry. The U.S. again warned China it would face, quote, real costs if it provided arms to support Russia's invasion of Ukraine. With Russia's invasion into its second year, NATO's largest European members are floating a defense pact with Ukraine as a way to prod Kyiv toward peace talks. And record U.S. crude exports and increased net gas exports have helped fill the gap in Europe. Get more at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Thanks for making time for us this afternoon. Uh, we're in the middle of a conversation with Craig Turner from the Stone X Group. He's also the author of Turner, Turner's Take podcast. Uh, before we get back to Craig, let's go ahead and recap where the market's closed, Davis. Well, Chip May, HRW wheat futures were 18 and one quarter cents lower at 817. May soft red wheat down 11 and three quarter cents to 710. May corn futures were five and three quarter cents lower at 643 and one half. December corn futures closed at 676, down one quarter of a penny. May bean futures six and one half cents lower, 1512 and three quarters. Novi beans closed at 1372, that's down two cents today. December cotton six points lower, 8426. Livestocks, April fat cattle, 40 cents lower, 164.97 and one half. April feeders gained 65 cents to 194.22 and one half. April lean hog futures, a dollar 30 lower, 84.72 and a half. <sighs> That's yeah. a quick market recap. Back to you. All right. Yep. Yeah. 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 Kind of yeah, lower. Day. Tough down. Day. There's only so many ways that you can say lower, isn't there? They really, they really are. Yeah. Lower. Lower. Down. That's about it. Uh, fell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we used them all today. Good work. We really did. We really Good did. Work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Craig Turner, Stonex Group, Turner's Take Podcast is our guest analyst today. Uh, yeah, looking at the notes from the last segment, I just made the note: no love for spring wheat. Why? Oh no, I I do like spring wheat. Oh um, okay. I think, yeah, yeah, I do. I think you know Canada will plant like twenty three, twenty four million acres. Um, you know, we'll get maybe half that out of uh, the United States somewhere, maybe, maybe around 11 million. But the okay. thing is, you know, with let's say they produce decent crops, it doesn't add it doesn't add a whole lot to the global ending stock. So I think it stays when I, I think when I was talking about spring wheat or, you know, is just yeah. that I just don't see a way how spring wheat can materially increase stocks, which means. You know, Kansas City wheat, because of the issues they're having out in the Western Belt, and then not being able to see an expansion of acres in spring wheat, and certainly not going to get an expansion of acres or production out of the Black Sea. The high protein wheat is probably going to stay relatively higher and stronger than, let's say, the lower protein wheat like Chicago and corn. So that's what I was trying to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I went back to it. I wanted wanted to clear that up. And your other comments about you know, wheat being a food, so it's got to have that higher stocks to use ratio. When you think about how many governments remain in control around the world because they make sure that there is bread in the homes of the people, it just, it blows you away. I mean, we talk about, you know, weaponizing food. Wheat has been weaponized for a long time, and it's been used to keep citizens happy for a long, long time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, listen, number one, you got to be, especially some of you know these nations that you know there's a social contract, you know, in yeah. their political system, you know, that they're going to feed them. It's, I mean, it's it sometimes that's what's keeping them in power at the end yeah. of the day. And then number two, which a close second, would be the energy markets, also, right? And yep. You know, you know, and, you know, there is a little bit of a recipe for disaster there at the, you know, whenever the economy starts growing. So, you know, it's uh, listen, it's tough times right now to kind of get a very good handle on the markets. 
there's always going to be risk to the upside on wheat, especially if uh, things really get aggressive in the Black Sea, you know, for you know, kind of a lack of a better term there. But um, yeah. But yeah, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think I hear what you're saying there. If all of a sudden it is confirmed that Chinese munitions are being used by the Russian troops, that that's a potential game changer right there, isn't it? It absolutely is. And if you take a look at some of the option prices here, I mean, when you look at a corn option, you know, you know the premium relative to where the strikes are and how far out they are, you know, it's really not so bad, you know, if you're looking at, uh, you know, puts or something like to protect against new crop. But when you go out into the wheat market and you're trying to protect some of these prices, the premiums still seem like they're through the roof. <laughs> and, you know, and there's good reason for that, like, you know, of the risks you're talking about and yeah. just how sideways the market still can get um, if things go the other way or, or if things get hairy fast over there. So, yeah. listen, there's uh it's it's difficult um and you know when you're we were talking at the end of the segment here with wheat falling apart you know cor- i mean chicago wheat needs to hold seven and kansas you know needs to hold eight and spring wheat probably needs to hold 860 and if it doesn't we can make the next leg lower what is interesting about the wheat market is i would say 80 percent of the world's global export wheat supplies are grown in the northern hemisphere yeah. between spring wheat and winter wheat, which means starting in mid-May, late May, we start to see that winter wheat really starting to hit the market and yeah. into June, July. And then once August rolls around, we'll see the U.S. spring wheat coming on and then Canada into September. And, you know, if we're going to get a break in the wheat market, it will be because of, you know, exporters or countries have gotten caught up on purchases. They're going to wait for this new crop to come in. And like I said, I know I, I'm a big proponent of wheat saying that, you know, we always make wheat in all four corners of the world. Yeah. You know, every quarter it's coming out, but so much of it is Northern Hemisphere. And, you know, it's only it's only, you know, two, three months away. Yeah, well, it's it, we're only a month away from crop condition reports mattering to the wheat market. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. OK, this South American crop. Has that whole story been written and baked into the market when it comes to the Argentine crop? You know, most of it is. I think there's still a little room um, for maybe some yield damage here over the next couple of weeks. If you listen, if we get hot and dry weather for another, you know, two, three weeks in Argentina, um, you know, it may not be hurting yields in terms of just, you know, uh, just from the stress, but it could just also because we're going to be, maturing a lot more faster than they hoped. Right. And it's just going to cut the, uh, the yield growth too. So, you know, maybe, maybe there is a little bit more, but um, you know, you know, even, you know, when we get a weather mark in the United States, it's usually done sometime by early July, you know, even if there's severe damage to the crop. Right. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing now in South America. Okay. I'll give you something very specific and I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say it, but I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it from some people that if they say it, I got to pay attention. What if it's a 20-something million metric ton bean crop out of Argentina? Does that change attitudes? Well, that's 400 million bushels worse than what we think right now. Um, And where are those 400 million bushels going to come from? Right. Not going to come from the United States. And what's interesting about the soybean market is you basically got to produce, I don't know, 5 billion bushels in the north in north america yeah. u.s plus 
let's call Canada too. Yeah. And then you got to go down to South America and produce about six to six and a half billion bushels yeah. this time of year. And if you don't, you know, the global export market is up a creek without a paddle. Right. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and 400 million bushels is a big it's deal. It's a lot of beans. Is a lot of beans, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's when you see the latest reports out of how much damage was done in that frost, you know, I know that the Argentine crop, uh, there's some analysts out there and some pretty smart ones, I think, that are on the sub 30. Now, yep. <laughs> you do hear a lot of arguments for Brazil and also Paraguay and the rest of South America having a pretty good crop. So maybe that offsets a little bit. But um, I don't know. I, it's when someone starts throwing out that 20 million metric ton. Um, that's scary. If that's yeah. right, then beans are two dollars higher. Right. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it, I, it, it's it's extreme price rationing at that point. Yep, that's right. That's right. OK. New crop, 23 crop corn and soybeans and wheat. What's your urgency level to 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 get price protection in place? Uh, for corn, I really listen at 91 to 92 million acres corn and a 181 yield, which I know is high. Um, but even like a 178, 179 and 92 million acres gets us over, you know, a 10% stock to usage on corn. And we do we do have the risk at five. So on the rallies. Or, you know, I do like getting price protection or making sales on corn. That would be my my big concern as we, you know, do have a great year and do go at five or, or lower, you know, if yeah. if it's a bumper crop, right? Um, even, at, you know, on soybeans that they said 87 and a half, but even 88 million and a 52 yield, we're under 300 carryout on soybeans. Mm-hmm. So that still means we're like seven, seven and a half, eight percent stock to usage. We don't get to 10% stock to usage on soybeans until we get an ending stocks of 450 million. I mean, in order to do that, we're going to have, I, I don't see soybeans going to 90 million acres. And I don't, I'd be shocked to see a yield of 55 nationally. I mean, it'd be jaw dropping, right? So, I mean, maybe beans are, have a price risk in new crop down to 12. And so that's a big deal, but you know, it's, you know, in or into the 12s, but at 300 carryout, 250 carryout, we're still kind of tight. And as I said, with wheat, um, you know, that's just such the big wild card with uh, yeah. with the Black Sea. So my biggest concern is corn, then soybeans. And I do like putting on protection for those. And for wheat, I feel like I'm kind of throwing darts at a board sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Man, I always enjoy our conversations, Craig. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks very much. I'm happy to hey. com- come on anytime. Yeah, okay, great. Where where can we find, let everybody know where you can find the Turner's Take? Yeah, absolutely. So on any podcast um, app, it's Turner's Take. You can find it. And you can also go to turnerstake.com and find the newsletter and link to the podcast there too. Fantastic, buddy. Thank you so much. That is Craig Thanks. Turner, Stonex Group, and of course, Turner's Take Podcast. Okay, when we come back, Davis and I will... Put a wrap on today's uh, today's Agri Talk. That's next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
to give your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here with Chip Laurie, of course, your beloved benevolent host. <laughs> Good conversation with uh, Craig Turner there, Turner's Take and Stonex. <clears throat> um. Let me ask you something. With any time, with the way, okay, one day a market doesn't make blah blah. blah I always got to say the things, you know, whatever. I get it. Um, is there a chance that the prices, wheat, corn, soybeans, are headed back into price discovery mode? Um to where we're going to have to sink low enough to find some more demand. This oh. in the against the backdrop of Brazilian beans, however slowly, are coming in from the field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, price discovery mode is every day. Demand okay. discovery mode. It, okay. Demand discovery mode uh, is, is something that, you know, I've, I've said it before, it's just a nice way of saying, lower prices oh shoot that's that's what i had written i wrote prices back in demand discovery mode question mark there you go so there we go go. (laughs) yes demand discovery mode yes um for soybeans i think there's a little bit of time before that needs to happen for wheat i think what's happening right now is the U.S. market is kind of, you know, jumping up and down and waving a flag and saying, hey, listen, don't forget we're here. Mm-hmm. Don't forget we're here. If if you need some wheat, who knows? Uh, we could be competitive. You at least need to check it out. Now, it, with, with countries like Egypt, we made a wheat sale to Egypt not that long ago. It wasn't a big one. It was one cargo. But it was something. Remember, what was it, like two, three years? Yeah, probably three years ago, we were talking about how the Wheat Export Council had closed its office in Egypt because there was never yeah. any business getting Nothing done do. yeah. with the world's biggest importer of wheat. <laughs> and they closed the office. Well, that's because of the resurgence of Russia, Ukraine, Black Sea supplies. If we made one sale, we can make additional sales. I I got to believe that because Egypt and their bread policy of mm-hmm. making sure that that everyone in Egypt gets their loaf of bread, 
Um, it with, with that in place, boy, how would you like to be the guy that's got one job of making sure that you don't run out of wheat? Yeah. No. I, w- I would be diversifying my, my uh, options for origin on those exports and maybe throw a little bit more U.S. wheat supply into the mix as – as you know, with the prices coming down like they are right now, so I think mm-hmm, wheat is mm-hmm. doing it a little bit. I think corn is uh, might be a little afraid to try it right now, uh, just simply because we don't know what that safrina corn crop in Brazil is going to be. Mm-hmm. But if we get to the first week of March and say two thirds of, eh, give me ten days into March. If we've got if we've got seventy percent of the or if they've got seventy percent of the safrina corn planted by the tenth of March, I, then I then I think that will probably free up the corn market to go in search of some of that demand a little bit more aggressively. Soybeans because of Argentina, I don't think they can do it quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and it's it's interesting where in that. We usually start to talk this way in what late July, early August about U.S. crops. Yeah. Well, it's just a question of if the good is enough to outweigh the bad. Right. And now right. we're having that exact conversation <laughs> over yeah. Argentina and Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, and and this isn't even an East Belt versus West Belt. Mm-hmm. This would be. Illinois and everything to the west outweighing crop problems in Indiana and Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the relationship that we're looking at here. So yeah. Yeah. it's, uh, yeah, like Craig said, it's 400 million bushels gets you down under 30 million metric tons mm-hmm. in in Argentina. It's a lot of soybeans. It's yeah. a lot of soybeans. I mean, they, it wasn't that long ago. I remember the headline was, Poof, 300 million bushels of beans gone out of Argentina. or No, at that time it was just South America. Mm-hmm. 300 million bushels of beans gone out of South America, and it turned into a bull market. Yeah. So it can happen. 13% stocks to use ratio on corn. Am I remembering yeah. right that that number came out of the Ag Outlook Forum? Yeah. Yeah. That's about, that's about what it was there. See, in... 12% is my number. Mm-hmm. If you're 12% or lower on the corn stocks to use ratio, it's it becomes a whole lot easier to build a bullish case. On soybeans, my number is like seven yeah. because we get the two crops per year. So you can be tight on one side, which means that you got to watch global global stocks t- uh, closer there than, than maybe you do on corn. Mm-hmm. Um. Boy, Craig just is not real happy with the wheat market right now. A couple of quotes. Every time you think you have wheat figured out, best check again. Yeah. And wheat is a little bit like throwing darts right yeah. now. Yeah, it, it really can be. But if we get into the spring and there's some planting concerns in the northern plains, turns into any kind of a crop issue for the spring wheat crop here in the U.S., mm-hmm. his, his attitude uh, is going to change a little bit there. Um, okay, National Weather Service, 6 to 10-day outlook for March 5th through the 9th. Can you believe that? March 5th through the 9th. Almost below spring. Normal, below normal temperatures in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, 
Nebraska, and far northwest Kansas. Near normal temps across the eastern Corn Belt. Above normal temperatures in the southern half of the U.S. Above normal precipitation expected across most of the Corn Belt. The exception there would be Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Otherwise, looking at some wet conditions. All right. Hey, like I said, thank you so much for listening today. Really appreciate it. Come back tomorrow morning. We're going to talk with Natalie and Tara from Discover Ag. And tomorrow afternoon, Chris Swift, Swift Trading Company.